Right then, welcome to Be Positive on men's and women's radio stations. Be Positive is the show where I hunt down people from all over the world and get to talk to them about positivity and motivation. We get to hear their stories, their histories, but most importantly, we try and distill their ideas about positivity and motivation into a series of nuggets that you and I could use in our everyday lives. The aim of the show is to cover a wide spectrum of people with different ideas, and we've covered subjects ranging from meditation to fitness, dieting to spirituality in recent weeks. All the previous shows are available as podcasts to catch up with on the men's and women's radio station websites. And if you know of a brand or a company that would benefit from aligning itself with a show about positivity and motivation, then do get in touch because we're on the lookout for suitable sponsors. Big congratulations this week to everybody at Women's Radio Station because we've just been given an award for Most Dedicated Mental Health and Wellbeing Platform 2021 by the Greater London Enterprise Awards. Well done, everyone. This week, we're going to cover a very different topic, finding love, or more specifically, dating. Now, when I was at school, dating probably consisted of awkward moments leading to trips to the swimming pool or the cinema. And as I got older, it sort of became friendships that evolved into relationships. And then, of course, online dating became a massive thing. A lot of people I know got together the online route. Today, we're talking to Lily Wolford, who is a dating coach, which is certainly not a title I've come across before. Back in the days when I was at school, I guess a dating coach was the mate who forcibly pushed me forwards and when I was umming and ahhing in front of a pretty girl. But I'm intrigued. So welcome to the show, Lily. Do tell me then, what does a dating coach do and why would we need one? Yeah, I know. Well, dating has evolved so much over the last 10, 20 years. And I think a lot more people now are looking to meet the one, but they're a little bit unsure on how to do it. I think online dating has sort of created this almost like a takeaway experience. You know, you get the, the takeaway apps to order your food. Now it's almost like we've got the same kind of mentality when it comes to dating. A bit oh, this cold. One's, yeah, it's like, oh, this one's not working out. Great, let's jump online and find someone else. But there's more problems that have become more prevalent now. So we've got people who are doing things like dating scams. I think um, the stats at the moment are 51% of people who are on dating sites are actually already married. I'm sorry, already in relationships and 12% wow. of those are married. So it's not just about, you know, trying to, to meet someone and date someone. It's for those people who are looking for that long-term relationship that, that lasts. Well, I'm hoping there's a few genuine people left on there. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And I think what most people don't understand, though, is knowing how to date safely and successfully, but also understanding their own date dating patterns and relationship patterns, 
that are you know creating the types of partners who they're attracting in but also creating the experience that they're having whilst they're going through you know dating or relationships and so does your involvement encompass everything from these are the sort of places you ought to be looking to this is what you ought to be doing Yes, but we've also got a bit of a twist as well. So in 2019, we actually partnered up with a world leader in behavioural profiling. So this guy's name is uh, Chase Hughes. He's um, got $30 million worth of government-backed research. He's trained um, 2,500 CIA-level operatives. So his, uh, his research and information is just absolutely insane. So with this research, we actually teach our clients how to profile people within six minutes or less. And uh, we also train people how to spot lies better than a polygraph machine. Wow. Um, now, that really appeals to my level of interest because I've always been involved in NLP and things like mm -hmm. that with knowing if people are lying or stuff. But it, it does sound quite sinister almost. You've got a CIA <laughs> trainer teaching, you know, giving you information to help people how to date. Tell me, tell me there's a, a nice, gentle uh, part of the business as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. The funny thing is, the way this all started was when I um, started dating, bear in mind, before I went into relationships and dating, I was um, a corporate accountant. I was working for Fortune 500 companies. I had a fantastic childhood, fantastic job, fantastic life. But I was, um, for, for whatever reason, I was jumping into relationships with narcissistic people. So I was stalked for five years. I had, oh. um, uh, yeah, like some crazy, crazy um, stories, you know, where um, I was with narcissistic and psychopathic partners. And what I wanted to do was um, uh, basically learn how to have a healthy relationship. So funnily enough, yeah, I went into NLP, I went into coaching, I went into hypnotherapy. But the sad thing is, I realized it wasn't quite enough. It was like, okay, I've got this great self-confidence now. I've got this great self-worth. Um, I know what I want in life. But um, for whatever reason, I was still attracting those type of people still into my life. And it made me realize it's almost like, um, you know, if you've got a sheep, for example, with great self-confidence, great self-worth, if a wolf pops along, it's not going to turn around and go, well, I'm not going to eat that sheep because it's got great self-worth and great <laughs> self-confidence. You know, a wolf is going to do what it wants to do. And uh, the way I actually got introduced to Chase was um, I was on a dating site and um, I was chatting away to someone and there was just something not quite working, not something not quite right. I wasn't really connecting with this person and didn't think anything of it. And a couple of days later, I suddenly got sent um 12 roses for intraflora you know beautiful expensive roses but this guy managed to send me these roses and find my address from just my first name and my profile picture on my dating profile account oh right and i'd already been previously stalked so i knew exactly you know what not to do so the worst thing you can do with those type of characters is block them because it yep. creates a game so what you need to do is actually understand how to disengage in a way that's going to be safe. Mm. So um, at that moment in time, um, my friend was actually a, a trainer for Chase Hughes. I knew that he was into all the behavioral profiling, body language, all these crazy things. I was like, oh, gosh, what on earth do I do? So I sent him all these screenshots of the messages, the profile. 
And uh, he actually got them forwarded on to Chase, who advised me on what to do. And I managed to disengage this guy within just a few messages. And um, this guy, I wasn't rude to him. I wasn't um, standoffish or anything like that. And this guy just suddenly stopped messaging me. Right. Just didn't want to pursue me anymore. And I knew from that moment I wanted to understand a little bit more about that on how to keep my clients safe. And also um, how they can actually go ahead and meet the right one with absolute confidence. Did you also find out what it was within you that was attracting narcissistic people towards you? Yes. So this is actually uh, a next level part of my research that I've been going into over the last sort of, six months or so. And it's made me realise how much our childhood influences the way that we connect as adults. So what I mean by this, because I had a fantastic childhood, um, is that when we are younger, the main emotions that we feel as a child, we will recreate in our relationships. So for me, um, uh, <laughs> I was a bit of a people pleaser. I was a little bit of a victim. So if I fell over, I was going to scream and shout until I got all the attention and soothed and all the rest of it. <laughs> um, uh, and it created me to develop those, um, those type of behaviours in an adult way in my future relationships. So what we tend to find is when people um, grow up, you know, if they're independent in their childhood or praised for being independent, um, they might be a little bit uh, independent and closed off in their relationships. If they're a people pleaser, they might go ahead and be very people pleasing in their relationships and feel quite angry with the person if they don't, if, they, if that people pleasing isn't recognised. Um, victim mentality well it's quite self-explanatory you know if they go into a relationship everything's bad and everything's um, you know happening to that person so it's it's very interesting when you start to have a look at childhood in general because it creates the identity of uh, of who you are amazing um I, I mean truly fascinating so and i've heard before that people do tend to attract you know they'll they will have had a partner that's a particular way, got out of that relationship, and then they'll be in another relationship and it ends up the same way. Mm. Um, so there's obviously a lot of truth in what you say. Where, where is your background? Where did you grow up? What did your parents do for a living? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Telford. My family are all originally from London and Essex. And... Um, my dad was a sales director and my mum, she did a lot of um, very, very intelligent lady, but she ended up looking after children. So she ended up doing fostering, looking after kids and, and all those different things. And do you think the fact that she was looking after children other than yourself had a bearing on your people pleasing? Particularly, no, I think if anything, it got me curious about the way that the mind works because, um, you know, the children that we ended up looking after um, had awful childhoods, awful childhoods. Mm -hmm. And I think if anything, it made me more grateful for my parents for creating a stable environment and actually opening up our home to, to help others. So, yeah, not to say it didn't have its challenges because it did. Of course. <laughs> But if anything, it was quite a humbling and eye-opening experience. So you've got this toolkit where if people come to you, you can help them date more safely. 
but where do you start in looking at them from a, a coaching point of view to get them ready for the relationship they really crave? Yeah, so um, the best place to start, and this is where I start with everyone, and it kind of comes from this saying, before, um, before you can have, you must become. And I believe that with everyone, they should have the chance to become more of who they are. So it's allowing to let go of any of the old stories or letting go of any of the old beliefs or letting go of the past relationships or whatever it might be that are preventing you to believe that you can have the love life that you want and deserve. And also to let you know that you are worthy of love because it's amazing how many people actually don't believe that they're worthy of love at all. And they think that anything they get, they'll, you know, that will do. Yes. Attitude, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because that, that, that literally... Um, you know, creates the type of partner that you that you accept in your life. You know, if you've got great self-worth, you know, a high level of identity, great confidence, your standards are going to be very, very different mm. to someone who isn't, someone who doesn't have any self-worth, someone that is not confident, someone that feels a bit insecure. And what tends to happen then is not only do you attract someone in that doesn't meet the, you know your standards you end up attracting someone going into that relationship with them and you can go through self-sabotage as well so i don't know whether you've actually had a look at some of the stats out there for example um like lottery winners you know there was a study around millionaires you know people who'd won over a million pounds and they followed them for five years and 67 percent of those people and um, within five years had gone bankrupt yeah. And it's because they didn't have that millionaire mentality. And it's very similar to relationships. If you have that mentality that you're not worthy of love, or you can't find that person, or you're going to end up with a load of dogs or a load of cats or whatever it might be, well, guess what? You're going to be looking for everything in your life to feed into that story, and that's what you're going to create for yourself. Absolutely. I, I often hear people, you know, they'll see somebody who, like a, a self-made person, um, who's now, you know, got an awful lot of money and they'll say, why aren't they buying dinner for all their friends? Why aren't they mm. doing this for this charity? If I was that, if I was a millionaire, I'd do that. And I would say, that's why you won't be one. Yeah. Because the mentality <laughs> isn't there to start with. But the mentality of using the money wisely and... Um, to, to the right ends is what's made that person a millionaire. Yes. If they'd started out with the mentality you're talking about, they would never have got there. So uh, I totally agree there. How do you make someone start believing in themselves then when, from this starting point? It depends what, what's kind of happened in that person's life. I mean, I love actually asking people the question, what makes someone worthy of love? Mm. And I think when we start to actually have a look at that question, it's like, okay, what does make someone worthy of love? Well, to be honest, it's, it's if someone's breathing. <laughs> there's, there's no one out there who's not worthy of love. I think that's really, really important to take in and understand because when you can see that everyone's worthy of love, you can actually then start to realise that yourself as a person is worthy of love. And sometimes what we can find as well 
especially um, children, you know, this is when we start taking in all those belief and beliefs from our parents and, and things that have happened, since often we find that we carry beliefs that are not our own. So it's kind of understanding the underpinning of what your belief system is around love, what it is around relationships, what it is around women or men. <laughs> and then you can start to actually have a look at what's um, causing you to not have those relationships that you truly desire. Do you find there are common beliefs? You know, eight out of 10 people don't think they're worthy or is, is it the other way around? It's funny, actually. I think that I think the main element that that I find with people is okay. They they believe that they're not worthy of love, or they don't believe that they should be putting their needs first. And so is they, that sorry? Is that quite common that people don't think they're worthy of love? Yeah, hugely common. Hugely common. If you think about it as well, especially with the way that dating has gone now. You know, more people are having more partners and going into more relationships, which also equals more rejection. You know, when people are in a state of um, being sing single later on in life and wondering, OK, why aren't they in that relationship? Why aren't they um, that person who's had that stability, you know, stable marriage or brought up a family or whatever it might be at that stage in their life? Mm. And what would you say the most common belief, apart from not feeling worthy, what's, what's, is it the fact that the dating scene is so, um, what's the word, uh, disposable? To be honest, I think the main thing that's actually causing people to have less connected relationships is people are less connected to themselves now. I think a lot of that is, you know, social media and I think it's also where I think corporate environments and nine to fives and the work tend to have a, a big impact on that as well. Because we often get told to not listen to our bodies, put everyone else first. You know, if you're in, if you're at a job and you've got a headache, for example, you know, work don't suddenly say, oh, it's OK. You know, go, don't 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 worry, go home. You know, people tend to work through things and feel very disconnected from their bodies and their emotions as a result, because they don't have the opportunity to put them first. And it's also, you know, it's, it creates this um, element of putting yourself first or feeling your own emotions as, as either someone who's a victim or someone that's selfish. And I think this has a huge bearing on the way that we connect to others because we can only connect to someone as deeply as we are connected to ourselves and vice versa. So if we're lacking that connection with ourselves and our needs and our emotions, then how on earth are we going to be able to connect to someone else? So... What's in um, Lily's toolkit for making people start connect with themselves? Mm, yeah, and people... Without people... giving too many secrets away, of course. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, people hate this one, but it's simply sitting still. And uh, if, I said to, if I said to you, for example, right, I want you to sit down, I want you to be disconnected from absolutely everyone... Uh, no social media. You're not allowed to talk to anyone online or on your phone or anything like that for a whole day. And the funny thing is, when I turn around to people and say this and, and just allow them to imagine it, they will freak out. Yeah. Because everyone wants to be distracted from what they're feeling. 
and this is the first best place to start. So I don't get people to sit in a room all day and do nothing to, <laughs> and not connect with everyone. But what I do do is I say to people, right, okay, start off with five minutes. Sit down, sit down with yourself and literally feel into what comes up within that five minutes. And if you want, start to build it up from there. And I think the other side of things as well is understanding what do you need to be the best version of you. So is that a healthy diet? Is that exercise? Is that good sleep? <laughs> because often these are the things that we tend to sacrifice very early on in a relationship, whether that's seeing the friends, whether that's going to the gym in the evenings, um, uh, whether that's, um, you know, not getting sleep. You know, we, we tend to sacrifice these, th these things very early on in a relationship which causes people to lose themselves in a relationship and then wonder who they are when that relationship ends. And also start to resent the other person because they've sacrificed, I'm assuming. Yes. And, this, and the funny thing is that's very typical of, um, of a people pleaser. So if, mm. someone, if someone's grown up and, and was always the goody two-shoes growing up and was always praised for being good, you often find that they'll please like crazy in their relationships and then feel resentful when um, they're not getting any praise or any feedback or anything good back in their lives. I, I can relate to that um, completely. <laughs> being I come from an entertainment background, very much a people pleaser and, you know, mm. and for many years didn't analyse the danger of that. And I used to, you know, I was... Um, one of those people who would say, I'll do that for you. No, look, look, I'll do that for you. No, I'll do that for you. And mm -hmm. then start resenting, well, hang on a minute, I do everything. <laughs> yes. And it's like, well, you, and when you analyse it, you go, well, you offered because you were trying to please somebody. And now you feel resentful because they're not now offering to do that because you've always done it. And mm. it suddenly takes a big realisation to go, actually, I'm approaching this completely the wrong way. Yes, exactly. And I, the thing I love about when we start looking at these patterns is we can turn around and go, right, okay, what was it that you actually needed from that situation? What was it that you needed from that behavior? So, oh, okay, I'll take that for you. What did you need from that person? Because this is where it starts to get interesting. Because when we can actually identify what people need externally in those moments, we can start to identify what they're not giving to themselves. And this then creates a relationship that's completely different when they go into a romantic relationship because they're going into a relationship not to need the other person yeah. <laughs> because that's where a lot of relationships fail. Yeah. They end up going into a relationship as a full person and wanting to be with someone, not because they need them, but because they want to be with that person. And that creates such a different relationship dynamic. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And um most people stumble through and find that out, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. They do, you know. They Normally, you know, people will discover that's what went wrong with my first marriage and now I realise why, mm. uh, rather than looking for the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle to fill the gap I'm missing to, for my needs, yes. what I actually want is an equally good jigsaw puzzle. Yes. 
I love that. I love the word equal as well, because I think this is what everyone's searching for. They're, they're searching for their equal. And um, I think that's where a lot of people tend to to stumble because they, they either settle for someone who's not at their level or they go into a relationship and don't feel good enough. And in both of those scenarios, you've either got someone who's um, below your level and you feel like you're constantly doing everything for them and you're dragging them along, mm-hmm. or you're in a relationship where you feel like someone's better than you and the insecurities pop out. And that's no good either. Okay. Then, and usually that's down to self worth issues more than anything. So, from your point of view as a dating coach, you've got, you know, Fred Smith, and the first <laughs> job is to make Fred feel good about himself and to think mm-hmm. about himself differently. Oh, by the way, just as an aside, the taking away all distractions for five minutes is a must for relationships or anything. You know, mm. locking your mobile phone away for two hours a day is possibly the best advice anybody could get this year. Yes. And it will drive you bonkers for the first month. <laughs> like an addict, you'll be climbing the walls, but then you'll realise it's actually the most healthy thing you can do mm. for two hours every day in your life. But um, I, I do that now, but it took me a long time to get used to. Um, hang on. You know, I'd reach for the phone yeah. and it would be, it's not there. I'm on my two hours where I actually locked it in another room. Um, <laughs> and at first, I literally had to lock it in another room because otherwise I'd find a way of getting back to it, just like an addict would. Yes. Um, people don't even realise how addicted they are to distracting themselves from reality. Yeah, and there's a huge reason why as well, because we get so much validation from our phones, you know, that we're connected, that we're needed. And that actually actually um, releases a chemical within the brain that's more addictive than a class A drug. So yeah. that's the reason why. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't even have to be, you could be rowing with someone on Twitter <laughs> and you get the same endorphins kick in. Because you're getting mm. a reaction. It doesn't have to be, you know, flirtatious messages to people. Um, you could yeah. literally be in the middle of a political fight. Um, yes. And you get the same kick. But anyway, so you've got Fred Smith, and the first job is to get Fred feeling differently about himself and how he approaches mm-hmm. relationships. What happens next? So the, the next bit, we actually go into the behavioral profiling. So a little bit like I was saying before, we can profile people within six minutes or less. And we actually teach our clients to be able to do that as well. And what this does is it helps us to identify our needs and our fears, because when we identify those things, we actually start to understand that person's behaviors and the way that they're going to act. So what we tend to find is with every behavior, there's always a positive and negative intent. And you'll probably know that from NLP Mm So, um, But when we start to identify what really drives that person, we can start to understand what sort of person they're compatible with, but also what the elements are that that needs healing within uh, within a person as well. So often we find that there's things like um, the fear of disapproval, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment, the fear of being misunderstood. And we actually go through and have a look at those areas where people have those fears, because what we tend to find with those fears 
is it prevents people from being able to connect and they're afraid of the vulnerability. They're afraid of, of not being good enough or being disapproved of or not being misunderstood. And we teach people how to overcome those before even going into the dating world because that helps people to have higher self-worth, higher confidence, and it makes it easier for them to connect. And also on the other side, if they have come from, um, say, a previous abusive relationship or marriage, they know exactly how they were manipulated in those marriages or those relationships and how to avoid that in future. Because often when we find that people have gone through those types of relationships, there's a huge fear of going into those type of relationships again and falling into those patterns. But if you understand what would, um, you know, uh, cause you to be manipulated to go into those relationships in the first place, you know exactly how to avoid it. You were saying about positive and negative intent. I, I always call it the two reason rule. Mm. Um, there's usually two reasons for everything um, the one that you might tell everybody else and the real reason <laughs> um, love and that you can you know usually if you sit someone down you can say you know why are you doing and not just in relationships in anything people can mm. say i'm doing this and you say why are you doing that and they'll say because of this and you say what's the real reason you're doing that like, what sorry now go on what's the real reason because there's usually two reasons for everything um, so you give people these profiling tools to be able to um, sum up uh, potential partners. Do you then point them in the right direction to where to look for love? We do, yes. So we do a little bit on online dating. Well, I say we do a lot on online dating and also a, a, so much more on organic dating. Mm. So we actually take people through um, a compatibility matrix that we've created that shows the main core elements that, that help people to have a long lasting relationship. Because often what we find is people are struggling to find someone who's going to commit in a relationship. And also people struggle to have a long-term relationship. So probably go through like an 18-month or a two-year or three-year cycle and suddenly they're single again. Mm. So we help people to avoid those side of things through that comp compatibility matrix. And then we sit down and say, right, okay, this is the type of things that you're looking for in terms of online dating. These are the type of things that you're looking for in terms of organic dating. Go, <laughs> go and actually explore, enjoy, and um, and we support people to, to date in that process. And the funny thing is, I think it's 70% of my clients, or over 70% of my clients, will go on to um, find love within three months of working together. That's so it is a very cool process. Very impressive. When you say organic, I presume you're talking about workplace, friends, friends of friends... Exactly, Clubs. exactly. Yeah, so uh, what we tend to do is we actually have a look at things like what's really important to you. So if I said, right, Paul, if I'm going to talk to me about something for two, three hours, what would it be? <laughs> oh, don't, 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 you're asking the wrong person because <laughs> the subject list could be anything. Um, my, my interests are so wide and varied. But, uh, Okay. Um, mine, oh, entertainment. Entertainment, yes, of course. Awesome. Is there any sort of t particular type of entertainment? Oh, light entertainment. 
light entertainment. Light entertainment, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So what we would do is say, okay, we'll sort of um, go down a little bit deeper and find out, okay, is it singing? Is it um, comedy? Is it this? Is it that? And we'll start to actually build up a profile of someone who would actually match you in those kind of areas. So um, because it's really nice to know when you're um, going into a relationship, having someone who is going in the same direction as you. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, you know what you want in life together as an individual, you know as an individual and also in a relationship, and also someone who's going to share those similar you know values, beliefs, and interests that you have in your life, so you can enjoy the journey with them. So it's a little bit like saying, okay, well, I want to go to this postcode, like you know, I want to go to Scotland, and uh, I want to be able to be listening to the same music as that person whilst I'm in the taxi going to Scotland. Well, if you've got someone saying, well, I want to go to London and I don't want to be listening to that type of music, then you're going to really struggle <laughs> to get what you want from that relationship or that car journey, for example. So, I mean, statistically, is it, is it important to have the same interests? I would say in terms of um, uh, things that you can talk about, because if, if you're in a place where you can't talk about things, it can cause you to disconnect from that relationship. So I think in terms of, you know, you won't have all exactly the same interests, but having things that you actually enjoy talking about together is really important. Mm-hmm. And also having um, similar, similar beliefs and values, because they're almost like the rule book to your life. Yeah. So if you've got someone who's really polite and someone who's not, well, they're going to really struggle together in a relationship. So it's kind of finding those level of alignments. Like I said, it won't be 110%, but it'll be freaking close. So it's easier to go in the, into that relationship. Yeah, I can, I can see when, when it comes to beliefs and values, mm. that's pretty essential. Yes. Um, when it comes to interest, you don't want to be too similar because, um, you, you know, if you have, you know, if I was, you know, talking shared exactly the same interest in light entertainment with someone we'd um <laughs> we'd probably have complete conflicting views or, or but beliefs and values essential how do you quickly ascertain somebody else's belief system yeah great question so that often that actually is it often supports with um the type of social circles that you actually interact with So if you think about the social circles that you currently have, all those people will have very similar beliefs and values, even if it's not exactly the same. Mm. So it's being able to be in kind of those type of social circles um, uh, that can help you find someone else that has those similar values and beliefs. And often, you know, it's finding out what, um, which one of those are really important to you and noticing that in people straight away. And we go through a little bit of a process so people are able to do that through um, just a couple of questions or even just looking at uh, profile pictures if people are online dating or even just through the first couple of questions or interactions of that person. I'm curious, is, uh, what are the statistics for online dating versus organic dating as far as success goes? I believe last time I checked, it was around 10% for online dating. So de- online wow. dating so low. But the problem is it's so well advertised and um, people aren't taught how to online date properly. 
What we tend to find is people with their online dating profiles will put things out there that they think everyone will love and they try to appease everyone through their dating profiles. <laughs> but what that causes is you get a lot of, uh, you know, hey, how are you doing or how's your day going kind of messages. And it's so surface level. So people struggle to be able to get that um, that connection that they're actually looking for versus if you had a profile that actually says who you are as a person um, uh, that actually says something that about the type of person that you're looking for you're more likely going to be able to find them in that way 10 percent that is a shockingly mm. low um, i mean i had personally i had two dabbles with online dating the first time i took it quite seriously and um and didn't get anywhere um, and then the second time, I didn't take it seriously at all, and I only replied to one uh, message. I only applied to one profile, and, and I've been with that person for the last seven years. So, oh, that's um, lovely. So, you know, um, so it can work, but I, I, I didn't approach it in quite the same way as you know, you're meant to. Um, but I am shocked with the... 10% because statistically, I would say 50% of couples I know now got together through online dating. That's amazing. Absolutely um, amazing. But, but I can quite understand why only 10% effectiveness. Um, but it is, it's, it's worse than I thought. Yeah. So essentially, organic dating or... Let's not beat around the bush. Old-fashioned dating <laughs> is more successful. It is, it is, because people get to understand um, one another very, very quickly. It's only so much that you can take from an online dating profile unless you're trained to be able to see the things within that profile. I mean, for example, we've got someone on our team who... Um, who can literally say so much about um, just a few photos to the point where I tested them to see if they could pick up someone who was a, a murderer and a paedophile, which they oh. did within three minutes. So, <laughs> um, but with, on, with organic dating um, or old-fashioned dating, you know, people are able to meet and mingle and feel that connection because, it, you know, it's, it, you don't feel that connection from just a few photos. You don't feel that connection from just a few messages. And being able to feel that straight away with someone in person really does make such a difference because you've obviously got to be attracted to that person. You've got to be attracted to that person's personality. And that's only two sides of, um, you know, creating that connection and that compatibility. I guess also with online dating, the, the reason for the first date is so specific. It is a date, mm -hmm. you know, with a view to it being something else, because that's how we met. You know, it was an online dating site, whereas with organic dating, you know, your first date, I want a better word, um, mm -hmm. although I do hate the word entirely. Um, because it has so many, much pressure attached to it, I think. Yes. Because a date, you know, um, do, do you think that hinders as well? Because your first date with uh, someone in real life from an online dating site has got so much pressure on it. Whereas somebody I've met organically and I say, do you fancy going for dinner next week? Has so little pressure on it. 
Mm, yeah, I think this is the beauty with that with organic dating. There's less pressure, so it allows people to actually understand each other and learn about each other. I think with online dating, it's great when you've got people with the same intention, like you know, looking for for um, a long term relationship or looking for whatever they're looking for at that time, um, uh, and and dating with that intent. So it, it can be beneficial and it cannot be beneficial all at the same time, depending on what you're looking for. So I'm intrigued about yourself, Lily. Um, you grew up in Telford. Mm -hmm. And did you carry on studying? So for me, I studied and I became a, an accountant. So I studied ACCA. I worked for Fortune 500 companies. I used to uh, manage, what was it, 16 different countries and their accounts and travel around Europe. So <laughs> I had quite an interesting career. And then um, when I decided to transition into becoming a coach, I did... Um, NLP, I've done hypnosis, I've done coaching, I have done public speaking. I Then I was mentored by Chase and Chase Hughes, the behavioural mm -hmm. profiler, for a few years. And I've also interviewed people like Scott Rouse, uh, Mark Bowden, who's huge within the personal development industry. Um, and also um, I'm about to be mentored by someone who's very big within the social engineering industry as well. And what caused you to change career? I'd say I realised through NLP that not everyone knew how to connect. And it made me realise, you know, sitting in the office and <laughs> working late until like eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the evenings, hearing people, you know, calling up their kids and, and saying goodnight to them, just, re just made me realise that it just wasn't for me anymore. And it made me realise how much I really do value connection. And also, I really want people to be able to find that too. And I think the big thing that really, um, that really made me realise how important this work is, is finding out that two women every week within the UK get murdered by their partners or ex-partners. One in three women and one in four men go through physically abusive relationships. And it was like, you know, <laughs> we all know more than three or four people, for example. Um, and it's just showed me that not, not everyone's talking about um, these types of relationships and also how to heal from it and what to do about it. And that's a frightening statistic. Mm. One in three. Mm, it might be even more than yeah it might be even more you know during lockdown so those stats were for um, just before lockdown yeah that is shocking mm. and and how i mean it's, it's yes it's a very hard question to answer but how do you how do you help somebody who you know is one of those one in three yeah, great question. I would say the important part is to be an ear to bend. You know, if you know someone's struggling, you know, feel free to reach out to them. And I think one thing that's really important to understand as well is you will not be the person who can decide that that person leaves that relationship. Mm. They have to do it themselves. So um, and what will happen if you if you push for that from that person, you will lose connection altogether from them. 
So it's really important just to be able to be that ear to bend. And is there anything you can do rather than just listening? Because, I mean, I think a lot of people will relate to the friend who is in a relationship that on the outside you can see is not healthy, but, and they may float the idea of removing themselves from that relationship, but they never do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the reason that is, is because, especially with, because I, I study a lot into narcissistic relationships, what we tend to find is there's a level of programming and conditioning that's um, probably the equivalent to a cult level sort of programming. Mm. So when people are under that level of control and under that level of influence, an outsider, it doesn't matter how great their intentions are, they're not going to be able to go, okay, come on, you need to come out of that relationship. So that person in that relationship needs to get to that breaking point where they need to be able to leave. And they say, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. Yeah, and otherwise that person's always going to want to go back and you'll end up, if you're the friend who's looking to help, you will be the person that would be... Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. You're the one who gets cut get out. Get the brunt of it, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I just didn't know if there was a, a magical solution because it is heartbreaking to see in people. It is. Yeah, it totally is. I've had uh, many a close friends. And I think what I've learned from, um, from seeing people go through those situations is just being able to be there, to be the, the person that they can talk to, the person they can be open with, um, without judgment, because that's really, really important. Yeah. And when they get to that point, they will let you know. And then you know that you can be there to support them to get out of it. So your, your motivation for moving into the line of coaching, hypnosis and a dating coach was the work-life balance that you were seeing around you, um, dealing with those lovely numbers all the time. And... <laughs> And I'm assuming also your relationship history as well. Yeah, for sure. I'd say, you know, I think, um, I think just the fact that when you look around you, it's like, oh, how many people have got the relationship that you would want for yourself? So it really made me realise that, you know, even people, even though people are in relationships, they might not be the best relationships. So I wanted to definitely find how people can get the best relationship as possible so they can enjoy, you know, a, a great love life. Because spending your life with someone or choosing someone to spend your life with is probably one of the biggest investments that you could make into yourself. Because it influences everything your emotions your finances your career like absolutely everything and so when you made the leap of faith and started i i assumed you were coached by um somebody else before you left your job before it became your new career what was the what was the most shocking discovery about yourself mm. Yeah, interesting. I think it was probably um, that I wasn't alone. And I, I kind of learned that from one of uh, Brené Brown's books. <laughs> I went through a phase of just listening to a crazy amount of uh, audiobooks, but it made me realise that everyone is vulnerable. 
and um, and 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 has those worries about connection, you know, connecting with people and being enough and and being accepted. And I think that was a huge game changer for me because it made me realize how needed this work is, but also how disconnected we all are from ourselves and each other. On a on a day by day, week by week basis, what's Lily's go to for keeping herself motivated and positive? Oh, love that good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are a motivation and positivity podcast, so I have yes. to find out everybody's little nuggets. <laughs> the main reason is people who listen to this show want to steal them. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd say the best thing that you can do is surround yourself with similar people, you know, with people who have that level of motivation, with that, that level of um, high achieving. So when you're listening to people who, um, you know, whether it's like listening to interviews, listening to podcasts, I mean, that's my favourite go-to because you get to feel into people's energy and feel into people's um, perspectives and all those different things. I find that's probably one of the best ways to build you up. I think the other side as well is having a goal that means a lot to you emotionally. Because what I tend to find is lots of people, they achieve great things in life, but they're empty goals, empty successes. So for example, like me with the accountancy, it's like, oh yeah, I knew I was doing great. I lived in a four bedroom detached house, two brand new Mercedes on the drive at the age of 24, you know, and, and, and felt, you know, okay about it. So, mm. <laughs> but it's finding, it's finding about the things that you really, really prioritise, the things that you really appreciate and how you can work towards those. And when you wake up in one morning and you're not feeling 100%, maybe you're only feeling 85, mm -hmm. how do you correct yourself? I listen to my body. I literally ask myself, right, okay, what do I need to be at 100? Is it watching a Netflix series? Is it going out for a walk? Is it playing with the dog? Whatever it is, I listen to myself. And I think that's the thing that most people forget to do. They push through. <laughs> and that's the worst yeah. thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, take action is the solution, no matter what it is. Mm. So um, what's on your Netflix playlist then? What type of things... Oh gosh! Oh gosh! I, loads of stuff. Um, one of the I won't things tell I'm watching. I, <laughs> I think one of the things I'm actually watching on um, I'm watching it on Amazon Prime is catastrophe. I love things that are just funny, funny and witty. I think anything that can make you laugh, awesome. Absolutely. Where would you be without a laugh? <laughs> ITV. Exactly. No, sorry, I've got to stop doing that joke. It gets me in trouble every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm assuming when it comes to mentors, Chase is your mentor. Yes, I've got um, Chase and a guy called Chris Hadnagy, who's absolutely awesome. And I've actually got two others as well, which is, um, yeah, I'm very, very lucky, surrounded by amazing people. And when it comes to dating, after your change of career, um, and finding out about yourself with the NLP, um, did it work for you? It did. So literally, the funny thing is, it was literally three, three weeks after I learned a lot around the behavioural profiling from Chase, I was in a committed relationship. Wow. <laughs> and, and was that organic? 
It was, funnily enough. Yeah, from uh, previously I was always online dating and that was organically. And now we live in an amazing house in the country with our dog, Darcy. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so let's go back to basics. If Fred Smith came to you today, what three things would you tell him to do so that he can be living in a house in the country with his ideal partner in six months' time? Mm, so number one, get to know yourself. Get to know your needs, your fears, your desires, because it's going to help you become more attuned to you and also more attuned you know, to your partner when you go into that relationship. I think the next part, understand the type of partner who would be awesome within your life. So, um, you know, if, you, if you're someone who loves to just have a chill in the evenings, you're probably not going to go for someone who loves being at the gym all the time. If you're with someone who, um, you know, if you like someone who's um, outdoorsy and you're outdoorsy, that's probably going to work for you. So find the type of lifestyle and the type of person that's going to really work for you and understand then where you're going to be able to find them. You know, for example, if you've got someone who loves hiking or well, what's going to be on their online dating profile or where are you going to meet them? You're not going to meet them in McDonald's. You're going to meet them in hiking events and things like that or meetups. Um, and then when we get to the dating side of things, understand what it is that creates a healthy relationship. And I've got four things that I believe creates a healthy relationship. And that's compatibility. That's communication, consideration and collaboration. And when you introduce all four of those things in that relationship, it creates a solid foundation to build upon. Amazing advice. I love the term understand who would be awesome for you. Not just <laughs> understand the type of partner you'd like. Now, who mm. would be awesome for you? Lily, how can we find out more about you and your work? Yeah, so I think the best place is um, our website. So that's lovewithintelligence.com. And we've got loads of free resources on there from, uh, you know, webinars, trainings, PDFs, guides, the lot. So that's really the best place to go and find us. Fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's been, uh, it's been fascinating and great oh, fun. Well, thank you. I've really, really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. My thanks to Lily for a great chat. Within our conversation, there were some very serious points and the fact that one in three women aged 16 to 60 will experience domestic abuse in their lifetime is truly shocking. And remember, abuse is not necessarily physical. It can be coercive control. We hear about gaslighting in the news a lot. Economic abuse, stopping someone having access to their own money. Online abuse, threats, intimidation, emotional and sexual abuse. And it could be anybody from any walk of life that could suffer from this. And sometimes I know from talking to different people, these things can creep up and people don't even realise. So there are signs that you can look out for in your life and in other people's. Just be aware of whether people are withdrawn or they're no longer seeing friends and family, obviously if they have marks, bruises, whether someone's having their finances controlled or they 
have to ask for money to buy food or medication. Not being able to leave the house or recommended not to. Having their social media use restricted or monitored. A common one, being repeatedly belittled. Something to look out for. Being told that abuse is your fault, that you're overreacting, is another sign that maybe something's wrong. So look out for it, obviously, in your own life, but especially in friends and families. And there's no fault and there's no shame in getting help if you need it. On social media, you can use the hashtag you are not alone and the refuge number is 0808 2247 0808 2247 if you know someone or you are in this situation then make the call and like lily was saying if you do know someone just be an ear it's the best thing you can do no matter what happens if they don't take any advice you give them just always be there as an ear there were some real good fun bits in our conversation as well and lily mentioned her website which i have to say is very comprehensive and it's got a podcast and a blog as well as loads of free resources and scouring through some of the statistics on dating is really interesting including the fact that 29 percent of single british adults have given up given up on trying to find love that's one in four who have now said it's never going to happen i won't bother now that statistic came out before covid so i wonder what that's done to people's thinking virtual dating is now a massive thing dating sites now have portals that allow you to video date and of course with covid there's other things to take into account now um, other people's lifestyle, their vaccination status. What will happen if you start dating and we go into another lockdown? So with all of that, I've totally changed my mind. I think a dating coach is almost pretty essential when you look at the way of the world and the statistics involved. So once again, Lily's website is lovewithintelligence.com. One thing that was striking about the approach Lily was offering was that it starts with you personally, not what you do and where you go to find love, but to get your own mindset in the right place before you even consider thinking about someone to complement that. And so like everything, it comes back to your own personal mindset, being comfortable and happy in your own skin first. As we've covered on the show before, take some time every day to ask yourself that one vital question. How am I right now? Right that second, how are you? And if the answer is not a positive one, well, whatever it is, it will involve taking action of some kind. And you're not alone. All over the world, Online and face-to-face, -face, there are people who are asking that same question and also are able to help. We are all in this strange game together, somebody said to me the other day. And after all, 
That is the crux of what men's and women's radio stations are all about. I really hope you've enjoyed the show. Keep your comments coming in. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look out for men's radio station and women's radio station. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. We've got lots more fun guests coming up for the rest of the year on the show, so keep an eye out for new episodes as they pop up and listen again to all of our podcasts. That's it for this episode. Stay safe, stay happy, and until next time, be positive. Be positive.